Welcome back to another edition of Campus Life. It's episode seven here for us. It is our weekly college-focused episode here on Campus to Canton. Uh, as always, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And um, uh, I just got finished, or yeah, got done watching the the two episodes of WandaVision that are out so far. I really, really like it. What have you thought of it? Yeah, I saw some people online saying they weren't a big fan of it. Um, I really liked it too. Like, I like the, the vibe of it. It's just kind of... It's very lighthearted to start here, you know, and obviously it's kind of like a play on 50s, you know, like June Cleaver. Obviously, they don't have kids, but like, you know, it's it's a play on that, obviously, with the black and white stuff, too. So and there's some good humor in there, too. And I just really like Paul Bettany as an actor, too. So that helps. Yeah, I thought the second episode was hilarious. Um, yes, the first the first one was was good, but I thought the second one was really really funny. So yeah. if the if it keeps picking up, because I've heard it keeps picking up from here. So if that's the case, I'm pretty excited to see where this season goes. Same, and then they dropped that nice little teaser at the end there of episode two. To and we won't give any spoilers, but it kind of sets it up. I'll be very interested to see where they're going with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh it's a mark of a a good show. Like my my I just, my wife and I recently got into I've seen all the Marvel stuff, but she hadn't. We've been watching through all of them, and um, it, she really liked this show, which kind of surprised me a little bit. So, I think they're doing something right if they they can keep her attention here for these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I think Marvel's doing something right just in general. They don't produce many misses. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's hop in here. We have a lot of fun stuff here to talk about tonight. Um, our first topic that we want to do, and we we talked potential transfer portal uh, landing spots a few weeks ago. Now we actually have some spots. So we wanted to just talk a f- bit about a few at each position that we think are going to be relevant um, next year or beyond that moving forward. Um, so first up here is quarterback. Uh, Colin, uh, who is, cause there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have moved already. Uh, so who's the guy that you, that you like going into next year? Yeah, there's been a lot of quarterback movement, but I don't love the guys that moved, you know, I think there's, for the most part, there's a reason these guys were kind of getting out. Um, so it was kind of hard for me to find somebody that I like, and I like the guy I'm talking about now, but I know there's other people who are definitely higher on him than I am. Um, yeah, he definitely has some things he needs to work on, uh, for me to, to really start to move him up my rankings, but I think he definitely has an opportunity to start, you know, right away where he's going. And uh, that's Grant Gannell. Um, you know, he was at Arizona, uh, with, with Kevin Sumlin, and then now he's going to Memphis there. Uh, Memphis just lost Brady white. So he has the opportunity to step in and play right away. And Grant Gannell has kind of always been. Kevin Sumlin's guy, um, you know, in his recruiting process, he was going to go to Texas A&M, um, you know, and then he got canned there and Kevin Sumlin went to Arizona and Grant Gannell followed him. Um, you know, he was a three-star guy, the number 15 pro prospect in his class. Um, and he's a little bit big for what I like in a quarterback. He's 6'6", 228, so he's pretty tall. You know, it's not a disqualifier, but, you know, I don't, I don't love like the huge uh, pocket passer type guys. They don't typically pan out all that well. And, and he's not a true just statue in the pocket. I think he does have some mobility there to him. Now he is a bit more of a strider, uh, when he gets, when he runs, um, so he can pick up some chunk yards on the ground, but it's mostly due to his long stride. Um, he does need to improve his footwork in the pocket because he doesn't slide all that well at times, which I think, 
you know, it's kind of due to his long legs. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty hit or miss with him, like sliding around in the pocket. Cause he does take some unnecessary sacks. Uh, but you know, overall, I think he has, you know, good accuracy. Um, he gets a little spotty when he has to throw off the platform. So he's definitely more of a rhythm passer. Um, definitely more of a, a stand in the pocket, go through the progressions, you know, and then hit his guy there when he's kept clean, he looks very good. Um, and he puts great touch on the ball too. Throws a very catchable ball, but he does have a solid arm. He puts, put some good zip on it. Um, now I, something I did notice is he has a quick release overall, but when he throw, has to throw deep, he kind of has to load up a little bit more. And I don't necessarily think that's because he has a weak arm because it does look, it looks solid. I think it looks NFL caliber. I think it just might be the way he throws the ball deep. Um, so that's something he needs to refine a little bit there as well. But, you know, he's pretty prolific as a passer. He set all of the Texas state records in passing yards and touchdowns when he was coming out, which is you know pretty impressive in its own right. Um, and then last year through eight games, uh, he had 1200 yards, uh, nine to one TD to interception ratio. 65.2% completion percentage with 8.0 uh, yards per attempt, which is pretty solid there. Uh, and then, you know, through four games this year, through that wacky Pac-12 schedule, uh, he had 625 yards, uh, 6-2 to TD to INT ratio. He upped that completion percentage, 68.8%. Uh, the YPA did dip, though, to 67 um, so I'll be excited to dig into him a little bit more this year. Cause you know, truthfully, the only game I really watched uh, of him this year was that USC game, which, uh, was pretty up and down for him. He threw two picks early, but they were ba- both bounced off the receiver's hands. So they weren't really his fault. Um, but I love the fit there in Memphis. I mean, he's just the prototype of a Memphis quarterback. He just really fits like what they like in a quarterback there. And, you know, you, you kind of want the Memphis quarterback. I mean, Brady White finished to QB 15 on the year this year for fantasy purposes. You know, Memphis is 17th in pass yards per game, 22nd in total yards per game. So it's a it's an offense that puts up points. So from a fantasy perspective, you know, on a C2C side, you know, I think he's definitely going to be a startable guy for you this year. Now, his pro prospects, like I said, I, I have a couple questions about those. I'll be excited to dive in a little bit more and, and answer some of those. But I think he's definitely a guy that the landing spot is good. Yeah, I think he's definitely capable of being an NFL quarterback. Uh, like you said, I think he's more athletic or at least maneuvers a little bit better than like a Brock Osweiler did or like right. Axton Lynch. Um, I thought Brady White was going to come back. So I, but I think this is about as good of a replacement as any as, as yeah. Memphis could have gotten because um, they have some nice intriguing skill guys there i mean they have calvin austin the third who announced yesterday or friday or or sometime recently that he's definitely going back and then taj washington who's pretty good as well um and then they always have running backs there um so i yeah i think that that offense really isn't going to skip a beat at all this year it's just a wonder why he ever ended up in arizona in the first place i mean he followed kevin someone like you said like he was just always blatantly way too good for that program yeah i i think he i mean i was kind of surprised he was only a three-star guy um you know overall like especially with how prolific he was in the state of texas Uh, but yeah i think he made the mistake there following kevin sumlin which i don't know why he got so attached to kevin sumlin like what did kevin sumlin do that really warranted all that loyalty but yeah, I mean, someone's had a bunch of big jobs. I mean, he could progressively like keeps getting worse. Like yeah. he's gonna be coaching high school in like five years. But yeah. um, I mean, he has like that that profile and that reputation, I guess, or at least had it at one point. So 
Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that call. Um, I chose Hendon Hooker. Uh, he's a guy that I've been talking a little bit about on Twitter and stuff recently as a guy that, like, I don't, I don't even know if he's a good NFL prospect, but I think he can definitely put up college points. I mean, this year he averaged 29.19 points uh, for, Virginia, for Virginia Tech, who aren't exactly like a, a juggernaut in terms of uh, skill guys and everything else. Um, former four-star guy. He was, he was a pretty highly rated dual threat guy. Um, at this point he weighs six four two twenty eight, So he's built really well. Like he can, like he can run really well and his body can take the, the, the pounding a bit that they, that's uh, a running quarterback really needs to be able to take, um, unless they're just really smart about it. Like, uh, Kyler Murray kind of is, um, uh, but he is like that perfect modern college quarterback. And I think that Tennessee really needs that. They, they need some sort of a boost there. Like, I don't really yeah. know what yeah. it is exactly. Like, that program just needs someone to come in there and be able to lift the rest of the, rest of the offense. And Because uh, I don't even know what their issues are. Like, their offense is okay. Their defense is, like, okay. It has a couple guys. Like, I feel like just every game it's, it's something different. But I think Hooker going in there will give them some solidity at quarterback. Um, I know that this uh, – is I guess considered a little bit of hot take just because people love Harrison Bailey, um, who was that highly recruited kid. They recruited kid they brought in last year. He was uh, Eric Gilbert's quarterback in high school. Put up a ton of huge numbers there. Did a lot of big things. And Tennessee fans were expecting a lot from him. And I think if you box score scout him, he looks like he had a really good year. Um, like completed like almost like seventy percent of his passes or something, and had like a decent yards per attempt. But um, if you watch the games, like he, he really struggled. I don't think you could find a Tennessee fan that would be willing to say that he didn't, um, didn't do well against the rush at all. Um, really wasn't capable of, um, making, I would say like making anything on his own in the passing game. Like he was taking what the the play was schemed or was designed for, but you know, he wasn't going to work well out of structure or really, uh, create anything that way. So I definitely think he was a net negative last year. Now, obviously, he didn't have spring and, um, you know, a full preseason and all that kind of stuff to kind of ramp up. Um, and he's going to get that this year. But I, I still think Hooker is going to take that job. And I think he's going to open things up for Eric Gray, for um, yeah, Jalen Hyatt, at wide receiver, for um, I'm trying to think of Malachi Weidman they have there, Ramel Keaton, Jimmy Galloway. These are all four-star higher guys that they have there that they just haven't had the quarterback to get them the ball. Um, so I, I think Hooker can do that, and I think he can boost that whole offense. And I'm actually kind of excited to see what that offense is going to do next year now with him there, assuming that they keep their head coach and all that staff because there's some recruiting scandal stuff going on there in the the background that I'm like vaguely aware of, but I don't know yeah. the specifics. So. Yeah, I don't really know any of the specifics about that either right now. I think they're just kind of still waiting for that to unfold. But I definitely like your call there with Hooker because I wasn't the biggest fan of Bailey coming out. Um, you know, he, he was highly recruited, but I don't know. I didn't think he he didn't really fit what I was looking for in a quarterback typically. And, you know, going to Tennessee there too, like I don't really love that situation uh, for him. But like you said, yeah, he did not look good this year. Uh, overall, I mean, like you said, box score scouting, like he looked okay, but, um, you know, when you watch him, he just didn't really look good this year. So I definitely think that's a good call with hooker going in there. I think he can step in right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Running back wise, who are you looking at? Uh, so running back wise, um, I'm kind of looking at two guys, although I like one more than the other. Um, and it, it's, uh, 
TJ Pledger, Pledger and Chris Curry, uh, like both of the guys who transferred to Utah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we everybody knows what happened to Ty Jordan, which you know, that's that's tragic there. Um, but we don't really need to talk about that. We addressed that a while ago. Um, and then Brumfield and Wilmore both transferred out. So that's a wide open backfield on a team that likes to run the ball um, and has major questions at quarterback. So they're going to need to lean on somebody next year for for the offense. And I'll start with Chris Curry. Um, you know, he's got that prototypical size, 5'11", 216. He has the pedigree. He's a four-star guy. He was the number 15 overall running back. Um, he has good footwork, but definitely needs to improve his patience. You know, he has a tendency to get up on his line too quickly. Um, you know, he just he tries to go forward every time. He'll go 100%, which is nice, but... You know, sometimes you have to sit back, you have to wait, let the blocks develop, and he just doesn't show the ability to do that. Um, now, he is a bowling ball. I mean, he runs through tacklers, always seems to fall forward. And he does have a little bit of shiftiness to his game. Um, and he has some decent long speed, so he can break off some bigger runs, but he's not really a home run threat. Um, so I, I think he just kind of disappointed in his time at LSU, and I think he definitely needed a change of scenery, but... I'm not all that convinced uh, that he's that great of a running back overall. So I'll move into TJ Pledger then, who's a guy that I do like more. Uh, now, he is a little bit smaller. He's 5'9", 193. So, you know, for his size, the weight's okay. Maybe would like to see it get up a little bit more because he does have like a thinner lower half. He needs to put on some bulk down there. Uh, but he was a pretty highly recruited guy in his own right. He was a four-star guy. He was the number four all-purpose back in his class. And you can really see that with his pass catching because he looks very natural catching the ball. Um, he always looks the ball in, you know, before he runs, he takes off. Um, you know, he can run some decent routes there, but I would have liked to seen him used more in the passing game at OU because um, I definitely think he can be a plus there. Uh, but I, I do also really like his uh, vision. You know, he's got good open field vision. He winds his way through traffic very well. And he has a little bit of shiftiness to his game, too, where he can make a guy miss if he needs to. Um, and he has good, not great long speed, kind of like uh, Curry, although I think Pledger's long speed's a little bit better. Um, you know, So he's not going to hit a ton of home runs. He's not going to take it to the house too often, but just very solid long speed, very average. And he does have a pretty good contact balance for his size, too. You know, He'll run through arm tackles. He's not easy to bring down. But, you know, he doesn't have the power or the size to run defenders over. So he does have to rely on being more elusive, which is a little bit different than most of the running backs that have been at Utah. So while I think Chris Curry fits a little bit more of what they like to do, I think Pledger's the more talented guy. And like I said, you kind of it's a wide open backfield. So you kind of want to get somebody who's going to be in that backfield. And I think Pledger would be the guy to go after. Yeah, they, those are two guys that both kind of fell victim to <clears throat> crowded backfields, but like none of the guys in any of those backfields were ever that talented, which kind of right. scared, which scares you about whether they are actually very good or not. I mean, they were forced out just by numbers, not be you know not because they were like weren't good enough or whatever. Um, and yeah, that Utah offense is a mess next year. Like, I really have no idea who's going to be the main guy at running back because they tend to lean on one person. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback there. I have some guesses, and I think we're actually we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show here. Um, Chris Curry, like I just I, – if I had to put my money on one of these guys, I think it's TJ Pledger. Like, yeah. Uh, Chris Curry, you, yeah, you really like the opportunity, but 
that dude just got outperformed by every other running back on that roster this year. He averaged what, like 3.7 yards per carry or something really bad. 3.2. Yeah. Sorry, I was being generous on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> no touchdowns. Like, yeah, I don't really. I mean, that LSU offense as a whole wasn't great at running the ball this year. Let's be honest. But um, I, I would hesitantly say that I, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Pledger as a guy that I had to go get. But they both should be cheap. I mean, obviously, price has gone up more than it was two months ago or whatever. But yeah, 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 um, yeah. So my running back, I guess I talked about a guy transferring into Tennessee. So according to Newton's third law, for every action, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. So we're covering a guy that's leaving Tennessee. And yes, I did have to look that up. I kind of knew it, but like (laughs) Google was my best friend there. Thank you, Google. Um, And that's Ty Chandler, who who left Tennessee and is heading to UNC. And he's another guy that I don't, I think all the guys we've talked about really here so far, uh, outside of maybe Grant Gannell, I'm not sure what their NFL chances are. Um, cause Chandler's been around for a while. I mean, this will be his fifth year, um, his, his bonus year, I guess, uh, because of COVID and he's going to get uh, some touches at UNC probably just by default, because now with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, both heading to the NFL, that's like all of their touches from this past year. And I think as we saw from their bowl game against Texas A&M, like the other running backs on that roster are just really, really bad. Like in that game against A&M, British Brooks handled most of the touches. He went 15 for 53, which is three and a half yards per carry. And then Josh Henderson went six for 15, which is two and a half. Um, So not particularly inspiring there. Chandler was an average back in the SEC, so I think he can go over to UNC and be an average guy there. I actually think after, like, I think he's going to play more of the Javante role unless unless they're planning on still giving a lot of touches to British Brooks, which I'm not really sure why they would do that, but maybe they're planning on it. Because, um, yeah, I think I mean, they split the touches almost half and half between between Williams and and um, Carter this year, but Williams got like the goal line carries and some of that stuff. I suspect that Chandler probably will get that opportunity as well. And then I think we're both thinking at this point that Kamaro Edmonds is going to at least come in and push for touches as a freshman, but he's much more Michael Carter than he is Javante Williams. Right. Um, And Chandler's 5'11", 205. Like he's not tiny. So I don't, he doesn't even really need to, he doesn't need to get up to 220 in my opinion to play that role, you know, maybe 210, a little over that. And that would probably be acceptable. Um, and he, and Chandler was already losing a lot of touches to Eric Gray in Tennessee. So it makes sense for him kind of a last gasp to get to the NFL, which I'm not exactly sure if he will, but, um, yeah, I think he's going to go there. He's going to be really cheap because he, I don't think he has an NFL future. Um, and, and we'll probably put up some, he'll probably like a bi-week fill-in guy in C2C leagues next year. Yeah, no, I definitely like that call. I mean, you saw this year that uh, you you really want uh, a piece of the UNC backfield. I mean, they just, you know, they, they've schemed the ball. They schemed those runs up very well. And I think a lot of it does have to do with Williams and Carter's talent in its own right. But I do think it's like going to be a very productive backfield. Um, now, I mean, we mentioned before um, on our other freshman preview, preview show, I do like Kamaro Edwards. Um, so I do think he's going to be a guy that I'm more interested in than Ty Chandler. But like you said, I think Ty Chandler is a guy who's going to be pretty cheap. 
on, on the C2C side. And I think you'll see his value bump here a little bit uh, with the landing spot, but I still think he'll be relatively cheap, more of a throw-in guy. So a guy, like you said, you can just get some production from on that side if you need it. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, this is kind of a year where with Hal being in his third year there, they might also just pass a little bit more than they have in the past as well um, because he's going to be the experienced guy in that offense. Like everybody else around him is going to be inexperienced or like fresh out of high school. So maybe they just put it all on his shoulders and he throws a shit ton of times per game and and then the running backs are rather, you know, irrelevant for the year. Uh, There is a scenario where that happens. So we're not saying that, Ty Chandler is going to go there and he's definitely going to get 18 touches a game or whatever. And so you can expect that and, and, and count on that. That, But I think of anybody on that backfield, he is the guy that is most positioned to at least get a decent percentage of those carries. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I mean, I think as we saw in that bowl game, uh, you know, there's just some big question marks at the receiver position going forward next year for North Carolina as well. Um, I mean, this was pretty much their year. You know, they had they had, uh, you know, a lot of talent on the offense and it, it, you saw the production. I mean, they finished ninth in points per game this year. So, you know, it was an explosive offense, but they're losing a lot of pieces. And I didn't love the guys that I saw in the bowl game there outside of downs. Um, you know, the receivers just kept dropping passes. So um, I think there's a scenario where they do throw the ball a lot more, but I don't know if they have the receivers to necessarily do that. So I do think they'll still be a pretty run focused team. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, all right. Wide receiver. Who is the guy that you chose? I'm glad I'm really, before you do this, I'm really <laughs> glad that you call this guy a wide receiver. I'm really, yeah. really glad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's what he wants to be as well. But uh, the guy that I put for my wide receiver is uh, Wandale Robinson. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was listed as an all purpose back coming out. You know, he was a high four star, the number one all-purpose back. And Nebraska used him in just a variety of ways. Um, you know, they they pretty clearly saw he was their most talented offensive player. Uh, so they wanted to get him the ball a lot. Now, his, his freshman year, you know, he had 340 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And then he also had 40 catches for 453 yards and two touchdowns receiving. Um, and then this year, you know, he had 240 yards rushing and a touchdown and 51 catches, 461 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, I think he he's definitely more of a hybrid, but I do think you want to see him. I think he wants to p- transition more to a wide receiver. And that's when I was reading up on him, that's one of the reasons he picked uh, Kentucky. Now, obviously, you know, the big reason there is he wanted to be closer to his mom. Um, but at Kentucky also did tell him, you know, that they would use him more as a wide receiver. You know, he wants to play more in the slot. You know, he thinks that that's his route to uh, to the NFL. And and I would agree with him too there, just because at 5'10", 185, uh, he's much more of a slot wide receiver build than, than a scat back. Um, you know, I, I would be concerned about his fantasy potential if he was trying to be a running back. But I think he made the smart choice. And I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense next year, but there's not a whole lot of other talent there, but they do bring in uh, Liam Cohen as the OC and he's from the Rams. Um, So obviously he has that McVay magic uh, that everybody wants a piece of, but he has said, you know, he wants to be a more balanced offense than what Kentucky teams have been in the past. He wants to bring a pro style offense. 
So I think you're going to see them pass a little bit more than what they they used to. Um, now I don't know if they have the QB play to pull that off right now. Uh, so that's a bit of a concern. But I think that they're just going to try to get Wandale the ball the same way that Nebraska did. Uh, I mean, they would be foolish to not take advantage of his ability, his all-around skill set, as probably the best player on Kentucky's team as well. Um, you know, because he's very shifty, very dynamic with the ball in his hands. You know, like I said, he was used as a runner, receiver, returner. You know, they just wanted to get him the ball, and he can hit home runs. You know, he's always a threat to score whenever he touches the ball. Very good long speed. He gets up to top speed very quickly as well. Um, but you know, I think. You see some of the the contact balance uh, and like you know breaking some tackles better than you would think for like a guy that size, and that's a bit of his running back background. But he also catches the ball very well too. He catches the ball like a natural receiver, catches it away from his frame. He makes a lot of adjustments, which I mean he pretty much had to do with Adrian Martinez throwing him the ball last year. So I think that you know he's a guy that I'm very intrigued by. Now I don't know how cheap he's going to be. Um, cause I know a lot of other people like him too. He's kind of like a, a very strong name on the C2C side. Like pretty much everybody knows him, but you know, if you can get him, I think he's going to be very productive. Um, and I do like his pro potential as well. Yeah. I'll be honest. I think at this, at this uh, point, his name is going to make him way more expensive than he should be. Right. Um, I, I get why these guys get homesick and they want to transfer home. I get it. A lot of them. Come from less than ideal situations, and you know, family is is the large majority of what they have. So I don't want people to feel like I'm being insensitive when I'm saying this. But literally, like there was like a list of like 12 schools that I would have said that are G5 that or P5 that like aren't any better than Nebraska and Kentucky would certainly be on that list for offensive skill position players. They just don't. They aren't known for producing any talent there. They don't typically have the quarterback play that makes that worthwhile. And there are some like Purdue, like Purdue was pursuing him. They're way closer to home. Rondale's probably leaving. David Bell needs a a second guy on that offense. That would have been perfect. He like, I, I, maybe the good, I I don't know who's advising this kid, what the heck he's doing. It's like, honestly, it's a red flag to me that these kids make these really stupid decisions on this kind of stuff. Like, I I don't know. I, I, I hope that he does make it to the NFL. I really like his game, but you're you're not, like it's, it's not going to look any better for you. We're going to have the same questions that we had for him this year going into next year. With well, we actually don't know if he can play or not because he hasn't had a quarterback in three years that's worth anything. And when he had the chance to finally go and get a quarterback that could do something, he chose not to do it. Right. So I definitely going to Kentucky was definitely a question mark there. Like I don't think that was the best situation for him to go to at all. But he was originally committed to Kentucky before he did flip to Nebraska. So I guess he had some strong ties there. Um, and they were when you know he opened his when he entered the portal and opened that back up, you know, Kentucky was always really the heavy favorite. And I think that's why. But I definitely agree with you. I think going to Purdue would have been a lot better of a choice. And you know, 24-7 sports comps him to Rondale Moore, which I don't love that comp, but you know, he could very easily have stepped into the Rondale Moore role in that offense, and you could just see it translate very well. So I think that would have been a better call, but I'm definitely still interested in him. Yeah, the nice thing is that Kentucky at least won't try to use him as a running back, which right. Nebraska swore they weren't going to do. They had decent running backs on the roster. Like, there was really no reason for him to be lining. I mean, I guess 
they needed someone shifty back there because their line wasn't good and their scheme was really poor and they just needed someone to make some yards. But um, I mean, they alienated their best player um, there. That coaching staff is not long is not going to be there for very much longer. No. I don't know what it is about Nebraska. They just, they, they don't, they don't bring in quality coaches ever. And they don't like, they recruit the wrong guys. It's pretty impressive how they swing and miss on that every single time. It, it really is mind blowing to me. Um, my wide receiver is Amarion Brown, uh, who I think we did bring up on our show a couple of weeks ago is a guy that we were looking to see where he landed. And we were hoping for, I don't think we said South Carolina, but we said if we could go to like a small to mid tier SEC school, that would be perfect for him. Yeah. So we, so we nailed that one. It's a good job, Colin. I think that, I think that was you that possibly said that, but either way, we, we nailed that one for yeah. sure. Um, I, he's going to be South Carolina's best receiver next year, in my opinion, with she, she sure. Smith or shy Smith or however you say it leaving. And South Carolina has pretty much proven that they can have like one really good receiver, at least every single year for fantasy purposes. Um, Brown, I like him a lot. I thought he was going to make a big jump this year and he didn't at Georgia tech. I think that was more a Jeff Sims issue than an Amari on Brown issue. Um, Cause that passing offense really never got going. And Jeff Sims, like if you look up raw quarterback in the dictionary, it's just a picture <laughs> of Jeff Sims and um I still think he can develop into a little something, but if you're trying to get to the NFL as a receiver, you know, you really don't want to hitch your cart to that, that wagon. Um, he's only 5'10, 170, which is a little bit small. I obviously want to see him get a little bit, a little bit bigger, but he's just really dangerous with the ball in his hands. I think with how good that South Carolina running game is going to be next year, they'll basically try to establish the run and then it just let Brown get into space and kind of do his thing. I'm not exactly sure who's going to start a quarterback for them next year because they've had all sorts of issues there. Um, but whoever is there, regardless, I think that Brown is bound is is due to have a really nice year there. I think he could easily be their wide receiver one, and um, I am really looking forward to to seeing what he can do a full year in that offense. Yeah, I think that that was. I think you're right. Like that was like a good place for him to go. Uh, like that mid tier power five type of a school. Uh, I don't know how much better that quarterback situation is going to be at South Carolina, just because we don't really know who's going to be the quarterback there. It can't um, be worse than Jeff Simpson, for sure. <laughs> like throwing the ball. That's he was, he was pretty good with his legs, but man, that dude can't hit a barn, like <laughs> the broadside of a barn from like five feet away. It's, it's rough. Yeah. But it's so, so good point. It can't be too much worse there, but I don't know. It's, I don't think it's going to be good by any means, but you know, if they can get the ball out to him at least and just let him be a playmaker that he is, um, you know, I think you'll see some solid numbers out of him this year. So I think that was a good call on your end too, picking Brown as a guy who could, uh, you know, who went to a good spot. Yeah. He's a, he's a big buy for me this off season. If I can go out and get him in places where I don't have him yet as like a throw in, I'm hoping that, um, the people have cooled on him enough and he was at Georgia tech anyway. So it's not like people really necessarily paid that much attention to the, uh, to, you know, Georgia tech football outside of, um, Jameer Gibbs right now. So he might right. just be cheap just because of that. That might've, uh, deflated his value quite a bit. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good point too. Um, outside of Gibbs, I don't really want any piece of that Georgia tech offense either. No, no, but give me all the Gibbs that I can get my hands on. <laughs> I love I know he's, Yeah, as I said, I know he's one of your guys. You were on him pretty early. Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. Um, uh, so the other big topic that we have here tonight, and we it's kind of we kind of just thought of this because people have started talking about it on Twitter. Like that, that's kind of like starting to be the big discussion. Like now we know 
Uh, you know, Sam Heward is like the top quarterback. You know, a lot of people are saying he's the top quarterback in the class. Uh, Travion Henderson is probably going to be consensus top running back. Like now we're starting to get familiar with these names. Um, so now we're digging a little bit deeper and we're trying to figure out maybe which guys can go into programs and start immediately as freshmen. We saw a lot of those guys this past year. Like we just talked about Jeff Sims went to Georgia Tech. Um, like a guy like Sean Tucker, a running back at Syracuse, Jordan Addison, the pit wide receiver. Like these were guys that uh, Sims was like a, a low four star, but outside but people still weren't expecting him to be like this huge fantasy asset as a freshman. So if you identified these guys early, you're um, you know, the value that you netted from, from identifying them is, it was a, just a ton. So looking at some of the lists for this year, Colin, uh, who's a quarterback that you think can pull a Jeff Sims and um, at least compete to be that starter? Cause there's only one quarterback on the field at the right. time. This one's always kind of hard to predict. Yeah, this one was, this one was kind of tough. Um, I think, I think we already mentioned Heward, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with him. You know, he's probably a guy who's going to step into Washington right away. I think, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking that he's going to be the guy there this year. We already mentioned, uh, mentioned Tyler Buchner. Uh, going to Notre Dame, who I think definitely has a good shot at being, uh, the, you know, the starter there next year potentially. So we did have to definitely dig deeper here on this one. Um, and I don't, I don't know how I feel necessarily about the uh, the pro prospects on the guy I'm going to talk about here, but I definitely think if he can step in right away into this wide open quarterback situation, you know, he could definitely be a C two C asset for you right away. Um, and that's Kyron Drones. Uh, QB going to Baylor. Uh, you know, he's got good size 6'2 195 um he's a four-star guy he's the number 11 dual threat quarterback and you know he is a true dual threat quarterback he's a strong athlete he's very mobile you know he can scramble by times he can take off pick up huge chunks of yards and he can make some guys miss um you know so he's definitely a true dual threat guy and he has a big arm you know he's he has a cannon he rifles it in there he can heave it deep he's a strong vertical passer um and he does throw very well on the move as well, throw off platform. You know, he that he looks more comfortable trying to create outside of structure than inside of structure right now. Um, he has solid accuracy overall, but definitely a work in progress. And I think a lot of that stems from his inconsistencies mechanically, especially with his footwork. Um, you know, he definitely is gonna need to work on that at the next level too. But I think it's something that he could develop, you know, once you get into there with like a, a QB coach. Um, you know, I think that's something they might be able to iron out. So he has very strong tools as a prospect, and he was reportedly the most impressive uh, quarterback at one of the most impressive quarterbacks at the Elite Eleven camp. Um, you know, so he took some big jumps this year by the sounds of things. Um, and Baylor loses Charlie Brewer, uh, and then behind that, it's a pretty weak quarterback room. They have Jerry Bohannon, but he got jumped uh, by Jacob Zeno. Um, Zeno was a four-star guy, eight, number eight pro style quarterback. So he was a, a solid recruit in his own right. Um, but he only threw eight passes this year and he had the second most pass attempts. So it's not like he, he got a lot of work in behind uh, Brewer. So this is pretty far from a solidified quarterback room. And there were also some reports, um, you know, I saw something on 24-7 that, you know, Jacob Zeno was kind of a headache for coaches and they had a lot of issues with him cooperating with the COVID protocols which isn't something you really want to hear, especially out of a quarter, your quarterback, especially at a guy who's supposed to be the leader of your team. Um, so I think this is a pretty wide open competition. And Baylor does bring in Jeff Grimes, who 
as their OC. And he was the OC for BYU since 2018. And I think he really helped Zach Wilson develop. Um, so, and I think, and he was a finalist for the top, for the Broyles award for the top assistant coach this year. So I think he's pretty, have pretty widely respected. Um, so I'll be very interested to see how he morphs this offense a little bit because their offense was kind of putrid this year. Um, you know, they, they were a hundredth out of 127 in points per game. So it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't really an offense that you wanted to be a part of and their head coach, Dave Aranda, he's defensive minded guy through and through. So I think he's probably going to turn the keys over to Grimes this year. So I think Grimes is going to develop like a more vertical system, kind of like you saw at BYU. And I think drones is going to fit that pretty well. Yeah. My only watching of Zeno took place in that um, that Big Twelve Championship game a couple years ago against Oklahoma. That was like the weirdest freaking game. So I just I had to pull up the game log right now just to just to make sure that I remember this correctly. So I don't remember. I think Bohannon started, if I remember correctly. He went four for fifteen for fifty six <laughs> yards and a touchdown. And then I think he got injured, if I remember correctly. Zeno came in and went two for six. For 159 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and I can remember watching this game just thinking like I was in the twilight zone because it was just so bizarre. But when you, I mean, when you think of Baylor, you think of, you know, higher scoring offenses. Right. They, I don't think they have a guy in that that's there right now that's capable of leading an offense like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't really watched that much of drones outside of knowing that he did pretty well at the Elite 11. Um, but I think that's as good of a call as any. Um, especially because Brewers at the school about the guy that I'm about to talk about here and right. Peter Costelli. So, yeah, it's just it, I, yeah, that game was just so bizarre. I can remember watching. I'm like, how is Baylor in this game? I think like, Oklahoma kid just kept like shooting themselves in the foot. If I remember, correctly. yeah, they just like couldn't pull away, and they made it a lot closer than it needed to be for for a while there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good point too. With like you, you think of high flying offenses when you think of Baylor, you know, you think of RG three. Um, you know, you think Charlie Brewer was, you know, put up some solid numbers there, um, you know, this year through nine games, he had 19, almost 2000 yards passing, um, 14 to touchdowns, eight INTs. So you know, he put up some okay numbers. So while they weren't a, a real prolific offense, um, I'm hopeful that Jeff Grimes can turn that around. Yeah. Um, and my, my guy that I chose is, is Costelli, like I said, and he was the number 10 dual threat in the country. So right beside drones in those rankings. Um, and I think that he, I think that he can go in there and at least compete. Now it is a very uh, crowded quarterback room overall. And I think the odds on favorite at this point in time is probably going to be either Jaquindon Jackson, who's that four-star kid coming in from Texas um, they transferred out. He came in with um, Hudson Card and then got beat out there. So, so he decided to leave. And um, and Charlie Brewer, like you said, from from Baylor. I'm not a big Brewer guy. He, he's like just whatever. Um, yeah. Like he's an okay college quarterback, but I think he gives them more stability, more of like a nice floor than any of the other quarterbacks in that that QB room. Um, Jackson, I think he probably has the most upside out of all of them. He's just a freak athlete. I'm not sure about, cause I think Texas wanted him to, to shift to like linebacker or something. Yeah. So I am 
curious to see if he's been developing at all as a quarterback. And then their other guy there is uh, Cameron Rising, who I really liked coming into this past offseason, and I predicted he would get the job, and he did get the job, and then he got injured in like their second game and was out for the year. And I think he's going to miss like all of their offseason program stuff. So you have to figure that he's he's been in that offense, so he at least has the like that advantage. But outside of that, he's you know he's going to be trying to come back from a major injury, which you don't like to see. Um, so that that does leave the door open a little bit for Castelli, who is a, a pretty true dual threat guy, six three two zero five. I I think he like you were just saying that drones is really only good outside of structure right now. I think Castelli is solid with in it to a certain extent um like timing stuff he's really really good at but i think anything that he has to wait for a play to develop or kind of anticipate um beyond you know three step drop and put the ball on the spot i think he does kind of struggle with right now um but he does have a nice arm it's not a cannon but it's not you know weak either it's fine nice release point um he's got a four six five forty under his belt uh, his burst numbers and like jump numbers aren't very good. So he's might be more of like a long speed guy than a, you know, small spaces kind of athlete, which is fine. don't really care about that for a quarterback that much. Um, but my, my big concern with him is that Utah doesn't really seem to know what they're doing with their quarterback situation right now. I mean, they went out last off season or last year and brought in two transfer quarterbacks, one of them had Jake uh, Jake Bentley from South Carolina, and then, like I said, Rising, who came also came over from Texas. And Bentley's already leaving because he looked like crap this year, and he's like in his eighth year in college, and just will never be an NFL player. And they, like, so they brought in two guys. Like, one's leaving, one's done. Now they bring in two new transfer guys plus this highly rated quarterback. It just kind of seems like they're just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. Uh, so I don't know if they have a plan necessarily, which does worry me a little bit when I'm trying to project. Like I'd rather project a guy that fits a system into a system that's already there with a team that seems like they know what they want to do with this kid. And I don't know if Utah quite has that in place right now. So that does worry me about like, I, I don't know how much I want to go out and try to buy a bunch of Peter Costelli this off season. Yeah. I mean, I think, that's the biggest thing. It's like, it's kind of a crapshoot right now as to who's going to win that job. And I don't know if Utah is a dynamic enough offense that I'm, I don't know how much I want the the quarterback there at Utah. I, when I think of Utah, I think of them more as like a running team, which is why I kind of brought up Pledger and Curry. But I mean, I think if Costelli can go in there and secure the job, um, you know, I think he could definitely develop there. I, I did like Costelli, like you were saying, um, definitely good outside of structure and drones was is similar to Castelli in that if, if it's just a quick drop and one read, you know, he's okay. Um, and I, but I think Castelli does show a little bit more inside of structure than Jones does drones does. But uh, so I I'm interested there, but it's more cautiously optimistic. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just not a, I mean, the, the thing is though, we talked about this before, I think on the show, like that makes the, the Utah QBs cheap to buy. Right. So if you guess the right one, but I'm not going to spend four roster spots trying to figure out like, you know, to like consolidate all that. And then, and then one of them hits, like I'm not willing to do that. So I don't know if I want to go, like, I, I don't know if I want to go for one. I, I don't want to go for all four. Yeah, definitely don't go for all four. I think Castelli will be the cheapest one though. You know, Brewer and Jackson both have the name. Um, 
so I think if you're going to take one, you typically want to take the cheaper one. So I think Castelli would be the cheapest out of the group. So if you're going to gamble on that, go with I would go with Castelli. Yeah, yeah. Um, running back, who do you like? Uh, so the the running back I like too here, and you know I'm just I'm going to stay in the Big Twelve, um, and, and that's Devin Neal going to Kansas. Uh, now let me just start off by saying Kansas was abysmal on offense. They are the second worst offense from a yards per game standpoint. Uh, you know they were they did not look good at all. Uh, they they definitely need to figure that out. But you know Puka Williams is gone. You know, he's going pro. They have Daniel Hishaw, but I mean, I need to watch him, but you know, I, I don't think he's anything special at all. You know, he didn't blow anybody away this year. He didn't look that great clearly as they were such a terrible offense. So I think Neil has the opportunity to step in there right away. Um, you know, he's 5'11", 208. He's a three-star guy. He's the number 22 running back, but 24-7 has him ranked. And then that was in the composite, but 24-7 has him ranked as a four-star and they have him as the number 14 running back. So that's kind of something we we spoke about uh, you know, on our last freshman show, which if you haven't listened to it, I would definitely go back and listen to that one um, in conjunction with this one for sure. But we talked about looking for guys that 24-7 has ranked higher than consensus because I trust 24-7's ranks a lot more than ESPN for sure, and I trust them more than rivals as well. So. I like I like that I see him higher and see him as a four star in twenty four sevens ranks and I can definitely see why they're high on him. I mean he's very shifty, very elusive. Uh, he makes guys miss regularly. Um, you know he has good long speed too. You know he could definitely break off chunks at the next level. Um, so I, if that's not going to be a big concern for me there. You know, I don't think he'll be a home run hitter, um, but you know it's it's good. And then the thing that really stands out to me is he catches the ball really, really well. Um, they throw the ball to him a lot in his offense in high school. You know, they split him out wide at times. He runs routes. He makes some really nice catches along the sideline. He shows a lot as a receiver. So that's something that I really like seeing at a guy with pretty much prototypical running back size, 5'11", 208. So I'm a big fan of that. I mean, he had uh, 1,600 uh, almost 1,700 yards and 26 touchdowns on the ground, and then 30 catches for 500 yards and six touchdowns as a junior. And then this year, you know, kind of a wonky year with COVID. Um, you know, he had 1,300 yards, 20 touchdowns rushing, and only 13 catches, 200 yards, and two TDs through the air this year. But you still see that production as a receiver. Um, but, you know, as a running back, too, you know, I think he shows good vision and, and identifies the hole in the cutback lane very well. Um, and he definitely, you know, is not easy to bring down. Um, you know, he'll shed tackles, um, especially arm tackles. He runs through arm tackles very well. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a power guy, but you know, I think he shows enough there too that that he's going to be fine. And like I said, it's just going to be a wide open offense that he's going to be stepping into. And it was a terrible offense this year, but they are bringing in some solid recruits. Uh, they're bringing in Cordarius Davis, wide receiver. They're the favorite for Keon Coleman right now too, uh, who are both. Uh, Quadarius Davis is a four-star guy. Keon Coleman is a high three-star guy. Um, so I, it's not necessarily an offense that I want to be buying, but you know, it, I think Neil can be productive there. And like I said, it's it's just kind of wide open right now. Yeah, like you said, the scary part is Kansas because they right. man they had Khalil Herbert and Puka Williams in that backfield who are both probably considered NFL talents, and they managed to make them both kind of look like bums. 
more or less. So yeah. that, that, that is very, very concerning. Um, but it may be, yeah, maybe they are turning the ship around a little bit there. I mean, it's less, it's less miles, right? Yeah. Less miles is still there. So you got to figure his name's worth something. I mean, Kevin Sumlin can get Grant Gannell to Arizona. <laughs> I'm sure less miles can get a couple guys to Kansas. Um, but and the Texas has so many kids that you've got to feel like the guys that get kind of overlooked by, you know, Texas and OU and and A and M that that you can kind of you can build a good roster like that. I mean, some of those Florida yeah. schools like UCF and and those guys have had their moments where they build a really strong team on the back of finding those kids that the big programs around them didn't didn't dig up. And you've got to feel that Kansas has an opportunity to do that. Whether they can or not is a different story. But um, right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, like I said, Kansas is the part that worries me a lot more than his talent. Uh, but, you know, for for under the radar guys, and I, I mean, I think this is a guy who's going to be pretty cheap, um, you know, in your C2C freshman drafts. So I don't think he's going to cost you much. So I think it's worth gambling on his talent there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'll probably end up with a lot of him on my teams this year. Um, so so I chose Jordan Hornbeek here, who's going to Fresno State. And I will be completely honest, Travion Cooley is my answer here, but I already talked about him on our last show, and I think he is starting, I'm, I, from what I'm hearing places, other people are starting to talk about Travion Cooley as like their sleeper too. So I think it's just a matter of time before Travion Cooley is no longer a sleeper and you're going to have to spend a fairly early pick on him. He's uh, 23 in the composite, but I think 24-7 has him at like 7 or 9 or something like that. Um, so... So he, it's kind of flown the coop there in terms of calling him, you know, an under the radar person at this point, but I do think he has the opportunity to go in there and start. So just wanted to throw that out before I talk about my guy here, Hornbeek. Um, he is a high street three-star kid in this class. Uh, composite has him as RB 40, 24, seven has him at RB 33. So fairly close there. 24, seven is a little bit higher on him than, than the average, but that's fine. He is six foot one ninety five right now. Um, and I think that the depth chart is the big thing that's appealing for him. I, I, I like his skill set, but like I said, I think that with Ronnie Rivers as their starter last year, uh, I feel like sharp favorite. He's going to the NFL. Um, and then after Rivers, their main running back last year was Jordan Mims, who is a redshirt junior, and he has like a decent skill set from the couple of clips I've seen of him. But I'll be honest, like I couldn't sit here and give you a scout report on Jordan Mims. It does just seem like Fresno kind of splits their touches, like – 70%, 30%. Um, this year, Rivers had 112, 112 snaps and Mims had 40 in seven games. So you got to figure that um, if Mims becomes the 112 guy, you know, extrapolated over you know, six more games or whatever, that uh, Hornbeak could become that 40 guy. Because other than that, they have one other guy that had 17 snaps on that roster and then nobody else with anything higher than like two. So I don't think they have a lot of depth behind Rivers. Um, and I and I think the Hornbeak, um, I like everything about him except for his long speed. And his long speed isn't like atrocious or anything, but it's not like he's not a home run threat kind of guy. He actually reminds me a little bit of George Halani, who's at Boise okay. State right now, in terms of like I really like Halani, but his ceiling for NFL stuff is way limited just because I don't think like he can maybe be a chunk play guy because he is a very patient runner. He's got some solid footwork. He looks like he's a pretty good processor. Um and he's not a terrible athlete. Like he's he's smart and he's athletic enough that he makes himself efficient with how he moves, which I think can be better than just having an uber athlete that doesn't know what they're doing as a running back. Um, but I obviously prefer to have them both and he doesn't have them both. He has more of the skill than the, the uber athlete. Um, 
Yeah, I think at the running back position, though, you see a lot of guys who have the skill who who translate well um, at the next level. You know, guys like um, you know James Robinson this year for the NFL side. You know, definitely not the most athletic guy there, but you know he's a smart guy. So I don't have a, I haven't watched Hornbeak. I don't have a lot to add uh, on him, but I know Fresno State is definitely a more run heavy team. Um, I do know they're bringing in um, Jonathan Arsenault. Um, he's the number 15 all-purpose back. He's also a three-star guy. Um, I, I did watch a little bit of him, but I, so I don't, I don't particularly like Arsenal. So uh, I'll have to watch Hornbeak there for sure and, and see because, like I said, I, I like the uh, like that open backfield right now. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, he reminds me a lot of Halani um, with how he runs. It's shaped very similarly too. Um, that that was just kind of the, what stood out to me right away. Um, but definitely an intriguing guy going into next year. Um, so wide receiver wise, we were talking, uh, that North Carolina really doesn't have much returning for next year. And, um, you've chosen a UNC guy to talk about, which seems fitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was, uh, that was one of the big reasons why I chose, uh, JJ Jones, um, going to UNC now. Now, like we were saying, I don't like the, the other guys that they have there outside of Josh Downs, but Josh Downs is a guy who is like smaller, you know, he's definitely more of like a slot guy. And JJ Jones is a guy who's going to be a lot more on the outside there. Uh, it's six, three, one ninety five. So they're going to need, you know, kind of an outside threat. So I think he can step in and do that right away. Now I, I really struggled with finding a wide receiver here that I thought was going to step in right away because you're seeing a lot of these guys go to the big schools, going to Bama, going to Ohio state, um, a bunch of them are going to Oregon, but we already talked about that on the last show, uh, which again, that's why I didn't talk Ty Thompson at quarterback. Uh, I really like him, but we talked about that on our last show. So we wanted to get a little deeper here. Uh, but JJ Jones is a three-star guy. He's the number 66 wide receiver um, in the composite, but he's a four-star guy by 24 seven. He's the number 48 receiver by 20, by them. So Another one of those guys that's higher rated on 24-7 than by the composite. Um, and, you know, the first thing that really stands out with me is you know, he has his good hands, um, tracks the ball really well, really good concentration on the deep balls. Um, you know, he doesn't wait for the ball to get in his frame, into his frame. You know, he kind of he goes up and gets it. Um, and he mostly runs deep routes and screens right now. Uh, so he definitely needs to develop as a route runner for sure. But he does show some nice flashes um, that he'll be able to develop that part of his game. There's a couple uh, parts on tape there where he has a, like a really nice double move. Um, you know, he gets the guy and he goes deep, you know, kind of like an out and up. Um, and he flashes a couple other nice routes, um, some nice comebacks, uh, and a really nice corner route on the one touchdown. So while he doesn't have a lot of, they don't ask him to do it a lot. I think he can definitely develop as a route runner there, and he has a, a verified four, five, five, forty time. So he has good speed. His good lateral agility. He makes guys miss there in the open field. He's a pretty solid mover, uh, pretty fluid. So I, I definitely like that part of his game. Uh, but he's also very physical, like I was mentioning before. You know, he's a he's a contested catch guy right now. Um, he doesn't get pushed around. Although when you watch him, he definitely looks bigger than most of the defensive backs he faces. So that part of his game, I don't necessarily know how well it's going to translate right away. Uh, just on the physicality standpoint, because he is a little light at 195 for his 6'3 frame. Um, but he shows, you know, he, like I said, he shows enough potential there, and that's a wide and open enough receiver room that I think he can get in and be a guy who start on the outside right away. 
So, you know, I, I'm definitely intrigued by him for sure. And he's a guy that I think is pretty under the radar right now. Um, like I said, you, you don't see a lot of people going down into the wide receiver 66 to, to look for guys who could start right away. It's funny that you have him because I, I I really liked Ray Rose last year and he was like wide receiver sixty six or something as well. It didn't really play last year. Uh, sixty three. He was close. Okay. Darn. I was I was hoping that they were equal. Um, he was like the last four star receiver next year or last year literally. Yeah. Everybody after him was a three star. Um, and I don't want people to think that we're necessarily like writing off because they do have like a bunch of other really low four star kids on that roster. And maybe one of them does break out. Like I don't, I don't want to write off like any of um, like Emory Simmons or Antoine Green. Um, those are both guys that are at least like intriguing from a, a size, athletic, athleticism type package. Um, but yeah, that A and M game was just so not promising that it's you. Ha- yeah. You almost have to hope that either one of those guys just makes a crazy jump this offseason. Or that the new blood helps because otherwise Sam Howell is going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting next season. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, obviously it was like a weird year this year for for incoming freshmen, um, you know, with, with camp being up and down and off and on. Uh, you know, there wasn't really any spring practices either. Um, so even the guys who like got on campus early, you know, they didn't really have a chance to do much. So there's definitely the room for those guys to improve and show some potential there. But so, so that's a good point. We're not we're not totally writing those off, but I think that Texas A&M game showed that this is going to be a wide open competition, yeah. and they are bringing in uh, UNC is also bringing in another four star receiver, uh, Gavin Blackwell, but he's a he's a smaller guy at 164, 5'11", 164. So I, I don't think he's like an outside guy either. Which I think Jones that's where he's going to has his shot to get play right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I chose a guy and I don't really know how to pronounce his name hundred <laughs> percent. I just need to start choosing like John Smith every week. I feel like I pick like a, a guy that has a difficult name. every pick week. JJ Jones. Yeah. Oh, there I should have done that. Let's <laughs> trade. All right. Um, so I have Jacquez Smith, I think is how you say he's going to Indiana, uh, four-star kid this year. He's six, one, one ninety. And he had like he's going to Indiana, and I can't exactly figure out why because he has a ton of huge offers. Like I'm not this is not even like a what like a what the heck Indiana because he had offers from like Bama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Miami, Michigan. I only made it down to M on his <laughs> list, and I was like, okay, like I I don't really know. And he looks like the part. I, I was watching this kid play, and I I mean he's a really good route runner. And I think he has just amazing catching technique where you never see the ball really get inside his frame. He'll attack it with his hands. You know, he's, he's very confident in his hands. You can tell because as soon as he makes that catch, he turns up field really quickly and, and he's able to make defenders miss because of that. Like it adds like that little extra dimension to his game. And he looks like a pretty good athlete. Like it's not like he's a, he's a really good route runner, but then he's like, you know, going to run like a four, nine 40. That would be, you know, disqualifying as well. So I don't know exactly why this kid ended up at Indiana, but I think he has a really good chance to go in there. So um, it would have been really nice if Fry Fogel had gone to the NFL, but he announced that he's going back next year. But uh, WAP is going to the NFL. And then after those guys, Hendershot was their next leading receiver. He's a tight end. Um, and then the next biggest guy after that was Miles Marshall, who's a big bodied guy who's a junior. And I don't really know anything about him other than that. Um, but it's, it's just a very bare depth chart after those top one or two guys, really a lot of inexperience. Um, 
So with Smith's pedigree, with his skill set, um, I think he's going to be uh, like what he's able to do early is going to really depend on what happens with Michael Penix Jr. next year, whether he comes back from that knee injury and looks sharp or even if he's even back for the beginning of the year. I mean, I know we assume you know, modern medical science that he should be back, but um, that, those things always kind of vary by player. Um, but I actually, I really, really like Smith. I was watching him like a week or two ago and he, he has ended up falling. I think he's in my top 15 receivers for this class. He's number okay. 15 exactly right now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just very confused why he didn't go somewhere bigger. Um, but I think he has a really good chance to be the alpha there. Um, even after, especially after next year when Fry Fogel, um, leaves and, and just opens up a lot of targets for him. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great call there. Definitely would like to see would have liked to see Freifogel leave if you want him to break out early. Um, but, you know, still pretty thin competition there, like you were saying. And, um, you know, I mentioned before, like, I like Michael Penix. So if he can make it back, you know, I think that that's a really good situation for him to go into. Now, if he can't uh, make it back, it, you know, I'll be a little bit more concerned about his potential to maybe not start right away. Like I think he has a good potential to start right away, but at least, you know, I might be a little bit concerned about how productive that Indiana offense will be. Yeah, it is definitely a concern because we saw that uh, Tuttle, I don't even know if he's going to be back next year or not, but he's not it like at all. So um, like I said, that's why I said like he, his production early is really going to be tied to Penix because I don't think, I don't think Tuttle can, can support like one receiver, let alone like two or three or, you know, however many they need to, to do. So, um, hopefully panics comes back and is healthy and, and they can kind of get that offense humming again because they looked really good, um, when he was there with, with some of those guys around him. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a good call. And I mean, even if, you know, panics doesn't come back right away. And even if they do have you know pretty questionable quarterback situation and Smith starts really slow, you know, that's, that's always when it opens up a buying window for guys that, you know, you believe in. So, you know, either way, I think, you know, he's definitely a guy I'm going to put on my list there to keep an eye on. I haven't watched him yet, so I don't really have a lot to add about him as a prospect, but, um, you know, definitely I'm putting him on my watch list now. Yeah. Um, so the last portion of the night, and it's what we decided to name this episode is <laughs> we, we, uh, brilliantly came up with the idea to call this segment when you wish upon a three star. And if we had, if we, <laughs> I don't have the music available to play that, you know, if you wish upon a star, but if we did, I, I would be playing it right now. Cause that's where that was beautiful by the way. Thank you. Thank you. That, um, <laughs> why do I feel like that's going to open the door to me singing a lot more on this show? <laughs> I, I, I hope it does. I hope. I hope it does. But <laughs> I think the listeners hope it does too. There's your poll. There's your poll for this episode. Ask them if they want more of your singing. I'll throw that up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're just starting to, we're just starting to hit triple digit downloads. I don't know if I want to like scare, <laughs> scare people away with that. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously, as the the name suggests, we just want to dig into some three stars because even like a lot of the sleeper guys um, we've been talking about. Now tonight we talked some three stars, but like even last episode, you know, a lot of those guys are like low four stars in the, right. the composite. Um, so even deeper than that. Uh, and th- we don't even care if these guys necessarily start in year one. They're just guys that have really stood out to us and we think have the potential to be really good players. Because there's a couple of those guys in every single class. You know, three three stars hit. It's not just the five stars and the four stars. And so if you can identify those three stars early, then you're doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like f- finding and hitting on these lower guys is definitely one of the best ways to at least 
maintain productivity on the C2C side because yeah, some of these these guys that we're going to talk about here, maybe they don't have the best pro potential, but you know, I think they're going to step into situations, or at least my guy's going to step into a situation that I think is going to be uh, you know, it's definitely open and he can definitely step in there right away potentially. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you. Cause I know this is a guy that you're excited about, so I'll let you lead this one off. Yeah. So my guy is the number one Oh one wide receiver in the composite. And he is my 10th rated wide receiver in this class of like the, I, I have about 10 times higher on him than everybody. Yeah. Else. I have about 25 guys ranked and I've watched like another like 15 to 20 that I, that I haven't tossed in yet either because I just didn't like them and I don't care to rank them because I don't really want them. Or like I, I, there's just other guys ahead of them that I think I haven't watched yet, but that will probably end up being better. So they haven't been slotted in yet, but I, I really like Jackson Meeks who's going to Georgia. Um, he, he's by far of all the three stars at any position I've watched. I think he's my, he's easily my favorite in this class. And one of my favorites that I can remember, um, looking at over the past couple years he's going to georgia and like all these guys like if you i'm not just plucking like a random kid out of a list like i want to know why this kid is only the 101st ranked wide receiver in the class because i'm not sitting here like these guys like the 24 7 guys like they go to games like the rivals guys they have like their camps like they they get to see these kids they get to talk to these kids so me sitting here without any of that information I'm not saying that I, I'm way smarter than these people. I'm picking this guy out and that that they're just dumb for missing this kid. But so he suffered a knee injury really deep into his sophomore year. And he looked really promising before that. Um, he was kind of on starting to get on watch lists. And as most people know, like the end of junior to like or end of sophomore to like junior year, and then even into like that camp circuit between junior and senior year. Those are the most important times for these recruits. That's when they're really starting to solidify their status on the field with um, you know, game performances. They're going to these camps and showing what they can do. And then you start getting your big offers during that time as well. And I know that a lot of the recruiting services say that like the offers don't feed the rankings, but it's definitely a two-way street. You know, if a right. kid from nowhere all of a sudden gets an offer from Bama, people are going to go watch the kid because if Bama likes him, chances are he's probably a pretty good player. Right. So, so Meeks missed all this time with the torn ACL. He came back, and it took him a little over a year to really get back to where he was before. And by that point, he was he was just so far down rankings. He's rebounded pretty well this year. As a senior, he finished with 53 catches, 812 yards, 11 touchdowns. And his two biggest games this year uh, in, in the state of Alabama uh, came against Hoover and uh, Ufala, I think is how you say it. And those two schools both produce like consistently like division one level or NFL level play uh, players. I think Hoover yeah, had no, Hoover does. Yeah. Marlon Humphreys in the NFL. They had a bunch of other guys too. Um, and Ufala had a couple guys as well. Um, he put up in those, those two games combined, 22 catches, 360 yards and five touchdowns. Which I mean, video yeah. game numbers. Yeah. Um, he's 6'2", 205. He has a really nice size. Um, from what I can tell, he's an early enrollee because he's already listed on Georgia's website. So I think he's already enrolling. And the big thing that he has going for him outside of all this stuff is that Georgia, A, doesn't bring in any four-star higher wide receivers this year. They bring in one of the three-star kid named Adonai Mitchell, um, who I know some other people like him as well. And he is a, he looks like a very good player too. Um, 
So he's not going to have to compete with a ton of other guys at the position in his class. And I know he's probably going to be stuck this year behind. They have a pretty good group there with George Pickens, Demetrius Robertson, uh, Kiaris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosemey, Arian Smith. But you ha- after next year, Pickens and Robertson are gone for sure. Kiaris yeah. Jackson is probably gone. So then you're left with, well, then you have like some of the other guys too, like Blaylock, who has had like torn both his ACLs. We don't really know what's going on with him. Um, so like, there's always going to be competition at Georgia, but I think that he can go in there and in a year or two really show what he can do at, at that school. Um, and just a couple of things that I like about him from a skill set standpoint, he's a really good route runner. You can tell when you watch him that he has picked up a lot of the nuances of that position. Um, he is very physical at the catch point and, um, he looks pretty athletic he's not like an uber athlete out there but he's not a terrible athlete either i think um stylistically i would call him similar like to the uh, like the juju smith schuster but he's a he's a little less physical after the catch but like that's what he can do like as a route runner as a mover what he looks like uh, in terms of body type like that's kind of the player he is um, so I'm really excited to see, like I said, I don't expect him to do anything this year. If, if he's playing this year, either he's just crazy in practice or, um, like everybody dies on, on that wide receiver room. But I think I will probably end up with him in every single one of my leagues because I don't see anybody talking about this kid at all. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen anybody talk about this kid at all either. I mean, like you said, people are kind of largely, I don't want to say ignoring Georgia's wide receiver recruiting class, but just because of the the production that they had out of last year's freshman class and the fact that they don't have any big names, I think that's definitely kind of a class that's flying under the radar. Um, so it's definitely interesting to me, and I, I haven't watched Jackson Meeks at all. Um, I haven't dove down into the 101st wide receiver yet. Um, <laughs> so I don't have a lot to add on him as a prospect, but you know, he definitely seems like a guy that you know if he's – that low in the rankings, but he's going to Georgia, you know, something seems a little bit off there. Um, so that's definitely something that's interesting. And I really like early enrollees, uh, like we mentioned on the last show too, that's, or the last time we talked freshmen, um, that's something that I look for too. So the fact that he's already on campus is very interesting too. Yeah. So the, the only way I found him is that, um, after signing day, I like to go through, um, lower rated guys and I just look for guys that have like one random big offer uh, because you got to figure like there's probably something there and you hope that it's like a recent one. Like if you can look and see when the date was, because like if it's an old offer, like then you're like, okay, like you probably got this and then just never developed. And so nobody else wanted them anymore. Um, but I'm pretty sure that Meeks's was a pretty recent offer. And that's how I found him. I was going through and I was like, oh, we, there's like a hundred rated kid here who's going <laughs> to Georgia who has like no other big offers. Like I'm, uh, if you look at his, um, his offer list, it is like, it's, it's Georgia and then not a lot else. Um, it's like South Alabama, um, and like one or two other school, I think Appalachian state maybe was one of them. So it's, it's not like a, a super loaded, um, class. I think Georgia tried to keep this kid as, as a secret as long as they could. Uh, and I'm sure like the local schools like Bama had already filled up their wide receivers by this year. For sure. So they weren't, they weren't going to bring him in. Auburn has brought in a couple big names this past couple years too. So he, I think it's just truly a kid that has fallen through the cracks. And I'm in, I, I want to see if he can, if he can do it at Georgia. 
Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely, that wide receiver room will open up next year, like you were saying, with some guys leaving. So he'll definitely have some opportunity potentially next year. Uh, I don't necessarily see him doing anything this year, but, you know, definitely a guy to put on the watch list at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, So so, you you have a a quarterback here who I I haven't watched him either yet. So tell me a little bit about him. um, Yeah, so the guy that I have on my list here is Braylon Braxton. Uh, He's a three-star guy. Uh, going to Tulsa. Um, now he's the number 30 overall dual threat, uh, but 24 seven has him as the number 16. So again, you know, guy that 24 seven likes a little bit more than, than the composite. Uh, so I, you know, that that's kind of what drew me to him at first as well. Now Tulsa's not really like a high flying offense, uh, but they were 42nd in pass yards per game this year, 52nd in total offense. So they had a good year this year. Um, yeah, they're above average for sure. And then they also, they're losing their quarterback, Zach Smith. Uh, you know, he's going pro. And then they have uh, Davis Brin as the backup. He's going to be a junior, but he's had very limited work. He hasn't really done anything there. So Tulsa is one of those schools where they may give Brin, you know, the the nod at the beginning, just because you don't, Tulsa seems like one of those schools that just kind of, you know, you, you step in and they fill into the next guy. But you know, either way, he's a junior, so you know he's only going to be there for a limited time. But I really liked uh, Braxton's tools. Now he's he's definitely you know more toolsy prospect. He has a very nice ceiling, um, but you know he has true dual threat. You know, he's very dynamic with his legs. He would definitely he'll make guys miss uh, pretty regularly. You know, in the open field, and he has a huge arm. He's got a cannon. Now. When he throws it deep, though, it, it almost looks like Dirk Nowitzki's jump shot. Like, this thing's, like, scraping the ceiling. He's throwing this thing with some serious arc, which is – I was a little bit concerned with that. I mean, I hope he can bring that down a little bit more, um, you know, because, like, it's nice to have it like a Russell Wilson one where he throws it deep and it gives guys plenty of time to run underneath it. And, you know, that's why he's really good with the deep ball there. Like I said, and he shows nice touch and he is hitting these guys in stride, but it, it's a little bit too high for me. Um, I'd like to see him bring that down a little bit. And I don't know if that's an issue maybe mechanically, um, but, you know, I think it's something that he can clean up for sure. But he also, you know, he puts a lot of zip on the ball in the short and intermediate throws. He is a good fastball. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, it, it's definitely not like a thing that he has to do. Um, he doesn't have to load up and just throw it high like that. So, um, you know, I, I want to see him clean something like that up a little bit, but he's really good, uh, outside of structure. He throws really well off platform. Um, you know, he puts it in a place where his receivers will, will catch it. You know, he looks very comfortable with it, Uh, but you know, his accuracy is, it's not great. Um, in the pocket, you know, it's, his passing uh, percentage is, is his completion percentage is fifty four point eight. So, uh, and a lot of that is just the fact that it's a vertical offense. But still, you know, you want to see him improve that. But he has good passing numbers: you know, thirty three thousand two hundred yards, uh, forty five to six TD INT ratio as a junior. Um, and this year, you know, in a little bit shorter of a year, eighteen hundred yards passing, uh, twenty four to four TD to INT ratio. Um, so his, his passing numbers are pretty solid there. You know, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot or anything. Um, but uh, so he's kind of, like I said, he's definitely a toolsy 
Um, and so I don't know if he'll start right away. I mean, he'll have the opportunity to, like I mentioned, but you know, if even if he sits behind Bryn for a year, I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, has the opportunity to provide you some really nice fantasy points uh, on, on the C2C side there. If you keep an eye on him just because of his rushing ability, you know, he had 800 yards, 850 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns on the ground as a junior. Um, and I didn't see what he had this year, actually. Um, a 633 yards and 11 TDs on almost nine yards per carry this year. So, you know, he provides a lot on the ground too. So, which is, you know, the Konami code that you want to see. And again, it's Tulsa, but you know, just a guy to keep an eye on under the radar. You know, we're talking three-star guys here. We're talking deep prospects. So, you know, and true three-star guys, a couple of the guys I mentioned before are high three stars where 24 seven has them as a four. So, He's definitely a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on, and he's a guy that I'll probably get pretty much, you know, free if, wherever you want him. Yeah, the American's a nice conference to go fishing in. Like the American and the MAC are two of the ones that I really like to go because those, yeah. the, you know, you get guys that still have some legitimate NFL upside there. Um, yeah. they, they're talented areas, and they score a lot of points in those conferences overall. So it's that's kind of a nice uh, situation there for him. Um, assuming that, you know, yeah, like you said, a year or two in the future, maybe he can take that job and, and do some work for a couple of years down there at Tulsa. Yeah. And I think he looks pretty natural as a passer too. So like, I think he can develop a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, his release time's good. He has a good base when he throws. Um, so he just needs to clean it up a little bit more mechanically, but you know, I think he's definitely has some potential to at least, like I said, be a, a strong fantasy asset. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I haven't watched any of him, so I'm not even going to like, try to say something that sounds like intelligent or whatever. Cause I just, I don't really know. Um, but if you're I mean, I'm gonna have to go watch him. I'll try to watch him this week and see, uh, I'll report back to you. See what I, okay. What I, uh, what I think of him. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's a, he's getting it done in Texas too. So, you know, yeah. this year, the Texas quarterback crop is just pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I think uh, 2022 is supposed to be really good too, from what I've heard. Um, not that I've really dug into that at all. I'm still worried about 2021, but even outside right. of yours, I've heard there's some really good uh, quarterbacks down there for the following year. So excited to, to dig into those guys uh, come May or June or so when, when the calendar kind of flips for fantasy purposes. And we start almost focusing on that full, that full next year for those guys. Um, so that's going to be the show for tonight, guys. Um, just the only thing that we have to say here is uh, keep getting your, reviews in i think we're up to like seven or eight now so good job to that guys we're going to be giving out this signed jk dobbins black ohio state jersey um beyond that uh, and when you do it please either dm us a picture of you doing it um, just so we can put a uh, like a twitter handle to the review and you can do that i'm at debbie deets colin is at campus to canton the number two in the middle or you can email us uh, campus to Canton at gmail.com. Same as Colin's um, Twitter handle there. Outside of that, uh, Colin, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, just definitely keep rating and reviewing. I mean, I got one today. Um, so definitely appreciate that. But, you know, we're going to be looking to give this out here pretty soon. Um, you know, we don't have a set date on it yet, but it's going to go inside with, with something that we've been working on all off season. And we've been mentioning a little bit here, but, you know, that's coming very soon here. So, you know, and with only eight, seven or eight reviews in, it's a very small pool right now. So, you know, yeah. definitely get those in. Yeah. And we'll do that. Um, we'll do it. We'll record it 
um, and we'll do it live. Like I think it just default is live. It'll go up on YouTube so that people, you know, everything's above board. Everyone yeah. can see that, uh, you know, every, everybody's name was in there and everything. And, and everyone had equal odds, except for Felix, we're going to put you at like one, one thousandth compared to everybody else. <laughs> uh, so, but other than that, yeah, I think that's all we have. Uh, tune in later this week, guys, for our Canton Bound show. We were a little late getting it out this past week, so we apologize for that. Uh, we will uh, try to be more on schedule with that this week, but uh, work and life just kind of got in the way. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we we should have addressed that maybe on the show, but I, you know, respond replied and and mentioned that that was why we were a little bit late on it. But you know, everything this week is at least on my end right now, looking like I'm going to be able to get that out on Thursday. So I don't know about you. Now my life's a nightmare. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on past tomorrow, but that's fine. Uh, okay, simple plan. <laughs> oh man, that's take me back. I love simple plan. I do too. I do too. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your week here. Um, uh, going into the, the final week of, of the playoffs here before the Super Bowl. Uh, so exciting times for football fans. Uh, but until then, uh, good night and enjoy your week, everybody. Have a good one, guys.